to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger, and with me for the last time this year is Trevor Scott. I thought you were about to say last time, and I'm like, hang on, we haven't, we haven't <laughs> talked about this, I'm not going anywhere. I forgot to tell you, we are cancelling the podcast. I'm joining the Inconsolables. Uh, they're <laughs> taking over the world one podcaster at a time, aren't they? <laughs> That's it. That's the plan. So, <laughs> we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, hopefully, you listened to our Christmas episode that was released a few days ago. And recorded about 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, where we mentioned this one, but we're going to do a Game of the Year episode. But this is a little bit different from the other Game of the Year podcast episodes you've probably heard, because we tend not to deal with actual video games that exist on this podcast. So, what we've done is we've asked our friends at the AGPN and our Twitter to give us some brief pitches for games that would be Game of the Year for them if they existed. And we've got a few of those, and that's what we're going to use as our prompts this week. Fantastic. So, should we, should we just it? go through from the top down? I think from the top down, take them one by one, yep. see what we get out of each of them. So, what actually happened was we had the most likes and retweets ever on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and then no one pitched us an idea on Twitter. So, thanks for Come that. Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, but we got a whole heap in Facebook. <laughs> yes, we did get a few on Facebook, so... Uh, let's go with the first one from Mr. Andrew Natoli from the Inconsolables. And his pitch was Cthulhu versus Godzilla in space. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so this is an interesting one. We could take this in a few different ways. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess the first thing is to determine in what way are they competing? They're versus each other, but. So. Is it? I'm not sure. Is it? Is it foosball? Um, is it <laughs> basketball? Is it kind of like one of those? Um, one of those like Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games sort of thing. And what they're yes, doing is they're, they're playing it's a like whole the heap Galactic of space, Olympics, Space Olympics, Space Olympics. I like that. Yeah. So, and as the different characters, you've got your different strengths and weaknesses. So, if you're in a running race. I don't know who's faster, Cthulhu or Godzilla. I feel like they both move pretty, like, at a pretty pondering (laughs) pace as they just destroy everything around them. So I'm I'm thinking because because you can't just have two people versus each other. I'm pretty sure Mario versus Sonic at the Olympics um, actually had like all the other characters. You pretty much no, no. It was just Mario and Sonic. Was it? <laughs> I don't know. I, didn't um, play. I, I, I like the idea that you can pull from like anyone from Lovecraft and anyone from from like the Godzilla franchise. So you can have okay, so Mothra got Mothra going up against. Um, wow! Oh, shit! What, what was the what was the doctor's name from the Reanimator? Because that was <laughs> oh, is that Lovecraftian? That was Lovecraft. <laughs> so I'm just- Frank Lovecraft. Um, basically, I'm just seeing like this normal, this normal human that can reanimate, um, reanimate, you know, basically Things zombies. People are in um, versus right. versus like Mothra, <laughs> who then just like float through space because there's nothing to grab onto yeah. in their gravity. Okay, so what are the sort of sports that they can be playing in space? What sort of events? All right, 
I guess what scale are we talking about? Like uh, Cthulhu. I mean, I don't actually know that much Lovecraft. I only know the general sort of pop culture Cthulhu, um, you know, tentacled face creature sort of thing. But uh, are they evenly matched? I feel like Cthulhu is actually a lot more powerful than Godzilla generally. Is is he less powerful in space <laughs> to make it even more balanced? <laughs> so, uh, f- first things first, how do they breathe in space? I know Godzilla has to breathe. Um, so, does he have, like, a space helmet on? <laughs> yes. So, basically, that then, Definitely. That then or takes either out- Either that or it's Mechagodzilla. Oh, but I, I like the idea of it being, you know, the fire-breathing Godzilla, but you put the you put the space helmet on, and if he goes to use the um, the fire-breathing mechanic, <laughs> he just sets fire <laughs> to, the, um, to the inside of the, inside of the um, right, helmet. Right, dies instantly. And- well, it doesn't die. He only dies if if the glass gets cracked and. <laughs> well, but he's just he burnt up ex- all his oxygen. Explosively decompresses. Yeah, I can't, I kind of like this idea of you know you've got the fire, you got the fire move that you can do, but if mm. you if you accidentally hit it, then you're going to cause some issues <laughs> to yourself if you're playing that character. All right, I, I feel like I feel like the the space modifier. Is hindering us a little bit, so I, I might try to modify it slightly. Okay, I think we make it Cthulhu versus Godzilla at Space Camp. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, and they're like eleven rockets. years old. <laughs> they're yeah, they're like eleven years and- old, and they're rivals at Space Camp for yep. the summer. Yep, and they've got their friends who are other. Like preteen legendary creatures from pop culture. Oh, you got King Kong. You've got um. Yes, yes. Uh, you've got the Anaconda from Anaconda. <laughs> I'm trying to think of big movie monsters. <laughs> um, you, you've got that. You got that monster from Cloverfield. Yes, the alien. Yes. Of course, you got all the all the Godzilla monsters of of you know the. Mothra yeah, I feel like we pull from, pull from that a lot. Yep. But they're all at space camp. Um, what are they- They're all at space camp. They're just super nerdy and God's, uh, Cthulhu's like the, the, like sort of the soft-spoken nerdier one and Godzilla's kind of the bully. Uh, yeah, but I mean, so, they're at space so camp. Kind of- they're at space camp, so it's sort of it's lo- they're low on the continuum, regardlessly <laughs> of regardless of sort of bullying and nerd. But yeah, uh, they're, they're they're closer towards nerd, regardless. But so are we going to have some sort of like revenge of the nerds antics? So uh, less misogynistic, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> yeah, pranks and like uh, sabotaging each other's you know cabins. Oh, and stealing yeah. their underwear and putting it putting it all over the lawn, sort of thing. You know, totally, the- totally. And I mean, you know, Godzilla's got some big old underwear, so yeah, he, you know. Whereas Cthulhu's underwear has to have legs for all these different <laughs> tentacles. It's just got all these different sized holes in it. He's embarrassed about that one sixth hole that nobody, you know, that's unusual. Um, Everyone else only has every other Cthulhu only has five holes. I, I kind of like the idea of of taking maybe one little thing from some of some of the other like camp sort of shows that have been around, 
you know, sort of maybe take a little bit from Wet Hot American Summer here, take a little bit from, mm-hmm. um, basically there was a Jew camp that, um, that South Park did. I like the idea right. of, of being able to see, you remember the master control program from Tron? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what's that got to do with that? In, in South Park, Moses was represented by the master control program. Oh, from God. Tron. I do remember <laughs> that. That's ridiculous. And, um, he liked, uh, macaroni p- pictures. So I like the idea that maybe one of the things that they do at Space Camp is like, um, a macaroni picture of, of a rocket blasting into space. And so right. you've right. got, you've got different things like that. And it's basically whoever gets the most, points or the amount the most well yeah because like, we haven't really figured out the gameplay is it is it all those little mini games of all the camp activities yep. and I think with with kind of you, narrative bits in between as you win each one you know it's sort of um you get points allocated to your group and right your, well, maybe you your have to, like, artwork or whatever gets displayed up on the up on the camp notice board Maybe you have to recruit the other camp members as well like to your side or to the other yeah, side yeah so if you're doing really shit how from you the very start yeah. Um, then obviously you've the other side is going to start recruiting more people really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, and you you're left with the shitty monsters. <laughs> um, like uh, I mean, Clover, the Cloverfield monster is pretty weak. Yeah. Although or, although uh, he's got all the little the little ones that he can like lay eggs and and oh yeah and they just you know fuck you up. But okay, who's who's going to be the camp counselor? I kind of like the idea that, oh. like, maybe King Kong is the camp counselor or something like that. Uh, no, I feel like King Kong's- de- he's one of the main ones, yeah. so he's got to be- he's got to be a- I don't know, who's a- I don't know enough about, like, movie- movie monsters. Uh, are we going into, like, the universal monsters sort of thing as well, <laughs> or are we mostly talking, like, the big creatures and stuff? I'm thinking- I think it, it's got to be- you know, from the Godzilla slash King Kong universe of, like, the massive Yeah, I'm just trying to think what else. Like, Jaws? Yeah, that's Like, I'm sort of thinking that sort of level of, like, the one big bad monster from from any particular. The camp counselor is <laughs> Sharknado. <laughs> Literally just a tornado with sharks in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love the master control program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um um so you've got you've got like a um xenomorph queen as Oh yes, yeah. As totally. like you know She's uh you know what she's the uh she works in the canteen. Yeah. Yeah. She's like the chef. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, well then do you have a predator as well then? If you if you got an alien you got to have a predator. Yeah, but I think the predators across the lake at the other camp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he's the one who's he's actually like He's the misogynist one, and because he goes invisible and tries to peek on all the other monsters. Yeah. Uh, but we, but we make sure that like it's clear that he's the bad guy, and that's not acceptable. Yeah. Oh, oh, the blob. <laughs> <laughs> the blob is definitely one of the camp, one of the campers. Yeah. He's the one who's insecure about his body body image. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I kind of love where we took that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it's almost uh, it almost makes just a good like visual novel, yeah, style sort of thing. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, all right. So, thank you very much, Andrew of the Inconsolables. Yes. You can check out the Inconsolables on yeah iTunes Podchaser. and Podchaser. I don't know if they've got their own their own link yet. 
I think they do. I think if you go to podchaser.com slash inconsolables, you'll probably find them. Awesome. Thank you very much, Andrew. Okay, our next one is from Josh Enner. Of the OK Games podcast. Yes. He suggested never-ending Persona 5. Now, we've we've dealt with Persona 5 on this uh, podcast before. Yes. Uh, with Andrew, actually. Well, there's only one Persona 5, isn't there? Well, that's it. Well, I haven't actually played the real Persona 5, so that's the only Persona 5 I know. Yeah. So, let's just go with our version of Persona 5, in which- Well, we can, we can either go with our version, or we can come up with a, new, a completely new version. A new version. With, with that, with that uh, modifier of it being never-ending in some way. Okay. So, get this. Persona 5 has found this little book- and what, what's on the front ca- front page of this book is, like, these two snakes that are, like, intertwined and, like, biting each other's tails. Um, uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and so, Persona 5... Is this the Persona from our Persona game where he's, like, a genetically engineered... Yeah, but he, um, he goes... Fighter with, with a, a blob with a mouth on his back? He goes back to a school anyway. And um, he's... You know, persona school. Persona school. Um, and he decides to go up to, for some reason, this school has got an attic. And yep. he lays down on, on the, the floor and puts a blanket over him and starts reading this book called The Never-Ending mm-hmm. Story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. basically- Sounds it's, familiar. It's now just um, how Persona becomes part of The Never-Ending Story. <laughs> the Never-Ending Persona. Uh, yeah, okay. Really? You're really going to try to... <laughs> Shoehorn that in there? Yep. Well, because I... Uh, so... But, 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 I mean, the thing is that in The NeverEnding Story, Bastion isn't really even in it, if you're going by the movie, until right at the end. So, is it just the same as The NeverEnding Story, except at the end, instead of shouting out Moonchild, he, like, shouts out, Persona 11! <laughs> Which is the 11th version of this genetically engineered creature off the factory line. Okay, so I like the idea that what's actually happened is this is the fifth persona to actually get this book. Okay. And the reason why it's the never-ending story is because it's almost like a time loop that each time that one of the personas picks up the book, it basically it starts the story all over again, but the people within the book actually remember things that have happened in the past. So now you're trying to actually help them get through to the end of this book, and okay. you know this is their and stop the cycle and stop the cycle. So so it's kind of like the like in the Matrix where he, he finally meets the architect or whatever. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Yeah, I like the I like the idea that you know these characters start involving Persona Five in it straight okay. away. In that, so um, I think I think we should just say to our audience because that we may not have made it clear if they if you haven't listened to episode thirteen. Of Bitstorm, you need to you need to go back and listen to know what the fuck we're talking yeah. about with these personas because it's nothing to do with the actual Persona game where I haven't played it. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. I've heard it's really good. This is our version. Go back and listen. All what right, I find really quite funny, and sorry, Andrew, I know that you you brought this up as one that you were actually you know really looking forward to, but I heard on your episode the other day that you never actually finished this game. Now it was your most anticipated game, and you quit. Uh, whatever, I do that all the time. <laughs> I anticipate games and then don't finish them all the time. It's on your. Pile do you know how of many shame. games? Do you know how many games I kickstarted and then never played? Like it's ridiculous. 
Um, my pile of shame is called my Steam library. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Okay, so... <laughs> I don't exactly know how this is. So, it's a, so it's a bit different. He's not. They're not actually just reading the books. They kind of get taken into that world yeah. in some way. He gets sort of sucked in a la... Um, yeah, and they go through similar adventures, or they have to solve the same problem each time, except the people in the world are just like, oh, fuck, like, it's, we've got to do this again, and now there's a different persona here. Yeah, so I, I know that there's, like, three movies of The NeverEnding Story, so- Yeah, we don't talk about the second two, though. What? <laughs> we don't talk about the second two, though. Oh, come on. At least not the third one. Not the third one. Definitely, the third one wasn't even based on the books. No. Um, it's just the characters. So, I kind of like the idea that one of the things that you get to is there's a scene in the book that I would have loved them to have done in the, in the movie. Not that mm. I know how the fuck they would have done it, where they go see an old man on the mountain. Yeah. And basically, he starts reading the story from the start <laughs> within the book. And it is the most amazing part of the book where you realise, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, this is well, how it, it basically story is like exactly because it's, it's writing. It writes Bastion into the story within that story, and that's how in the book that's how Bastion realizes. Wait a sec, they are talking about me. Like this is real because uh, he starts reading about himself in the book of things that had happened to him that morning. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of like the idea that. Okay, so you've got Falcor, you've got um, Atreyu, Atreyu, you've got whatever the fuck the horse was called, you would know because you've watched Artax! it. Artax! No Artax! <laughs> um, you have to- you can't give in! Okay, so- You have to fight the sadness! They're, they're all okay. there, and- but for some reason then nothing hasn't turned up. Okay. So, the, but they're all expecting it because they've been through this a bunch of times. They've gone through this a bunch of times, and they're starting to go, "What the hell is happening?" And of course, you don't know this. Okay, so I like this idea. So Bastion was Persona Zero, yeah. Even though in our canon, like in this in this version, Persona Zero, who who is just a blob with a mouth and a really big brain, yeah, um, did all the stuff that Bastion <laughs> did. <laughs> well, and then at the end, like because at the end of the movie. All of Fantasia is back. Atreus is riding across. Persona Zero is somehow latched on with his teeth to Falcor's hair yep. as they're flying across. They go back to the <laughs> Persona's world and chase after his bullies. But, like, that's reset it all. Except everyone in Fantasia remembers it. And then somehow, like, a little bit later, then nothing starts coming back again. And Persona 1 shows up. And they have to do it all again. Yep. But this time, after the fifth go-round... That nothing hasn't shown up. Yeah. And they're starting to get worried because they're like, hang on, you know, each time that this, this starts, something is, and they're just expecting something to happen. So yeah. I like the idea that, you know, they're breaking the fourth wall going, uh, Persona, are you there? You know, we know that you're, you're actually right up there. So straight away, he's been brought into. <laughs> Wait, so does Persona go into this bookstore? Also, I like the idea that Persona 5 now. Even though in the previous game he was like fighting off all these other personas and stuff, he's just like a dude, yeah, living in the world. Uh, does he go into a bookstore and he like sees the title of a book that says Persona Five? Where are you? <laughs> like, he just starts seeing all these things around because he hasn't found his way there yet because the nothing hasn't like drawn him to that book or something. Yep. <laughs> this is a really weird fucking mashup. 
But I like it. It's yeah, so do I. Okay. That's cool. We'll leave All that right. one there. So there was never-ending Persona 5. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Josh, from OK Games. And uh, go search for OK Games on Podchaser. Or iTunes, I guess. I guess. No, cut that bit out. I mean, we don't we don't need to mention iTunes. <laughs> Just go Podchaser. <laughs> Next one is our friend Alex Winter from the Dice Hard podcast. He suggested... That's right. Mars Hamsters versus the Alive TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will, I will say that that was six words. That goes over my limit. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mars Hamsters versus the Alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like that this sounds like Alex literally just did go to a random word generator and hit it, you know, a few times and then make them versus each other, but... So, I mean, you're the Doctor Who guy. I don't, I don't really know anything about Doctor Who. Okay. Is the TARDIS alive anyway? Yes. Okay, so it's some sort of sentient being. Yes. Thing. Okay. So, um, I, I like the idea that it's got even more alive. It's like grown arms and legs and a face. So there, there are actually in the books. There are some people who have taken it just a little bit further into talking about like. Human TARDISes and all this sort of stuff. But let's not go to, let's not Tar- go to that. Ta- I'm pretty sure the plural is TARDI, right? <laughs> all right. So, are you saying it's a human TARDIS? No, I'm, I'm saying that, yes, that has been talked about. And yes, I do know about it. But let's not go there. Let's, let's go with it is a normal TARDIS. Um, it's not the Doctor's TARDIS. It is just another okay. Time Lord's TARDIS. So, it, it can... One thing that um, the normal TARDIS can do that our um, mm-hmm. our Doctor's TARDIS can't is change shape. Okay. So, I like the idea that it goes goes to Mars, you know, the red planet, back in, mm-hmm. back in this time where effectively you had the ice warriors, which are traditionally from Mars, and they've got hamsters. Okay. But it turns going out deep that, into the so it turns deep out into the, the Doctor Who lore. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns out the reason why the um why the ice warriors kind of died out is the hamsters were plotting against them. Okay, so there's a bit of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy here, where the real masterminds behind Mars were the hamsters all along. Mm. Yeah, they were running so, the whole show. So I like the idea that the um the TARDIS um basically doesn't have the Doctor to deal with because, mm-hmm. or, or a Time Lord at all, because maybe the Time Lord is a rogue out. TARDIS. It's a rogue TARDIS. Yep. It's gone off on its own. It's like, fuck these Time Lords. I could do this myself. And so They're all it can do is materialize. So <laughs> it, it, can, it can, like, materialize and dematerialize and move between places. It can't really do much. Like, it can maybe materialize in the air and then drop down. <laughs> so the idea is- How the fuck is this a game, then? <laughs> well, I'm thinking you get to choose where to materialize the TARDIS, and you've got to basically round up the um, all the hamsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This, that, is, that is a really overwrought backstory- for a game that is literally just like <laughs> round up some hamsters, <laughs> Jesus, or even Christ. squash them, <laughs> materialize about you know a meter off the ground. And <laughs> Trevor, that's the most boring game ever. It's just like, like 
that's a game that you or I could create in the Unreal Engine in an afternoon because it's just like teleport a block here and let it drop on some hamsters and they go squish. But we make it interesting by it's all, it's all this Doctor Who backstory and the Ice Warriors had hamsters and they were running the place and we're going to squish them. <laughs> or, or move them off of, off of the planet. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. much I could come up with. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, let's let's go on to the next one. I think. We Thank tried. you, Alex. That was <laughs> we tried. Yeah, that was. A, <laughs> we did try. We tried real hard. <laughs> yes. Again, Alex Winter from the Dice Hard podcast. <laughs> they do a, a similar sort of thing to us. They every every week or every episode they turn a movie into a board game, uh, and Alex is is quite a quite a skilled board game designer and, and yeah. does that. In real life as well, so it's always very interesting. Check out the best episode that they've ever done, which was the, the one about, story. no about Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't even released that one yet. <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe they'll release it. Well, it'll probably be out too late. Otherwise, we'd have some good synergy with this episode from our previous one. Yeah. But. So I was on the um, I was on the episode with Demolition Man. We came up with an amazing game, and Ben was on this boring episode about the Neverending Story. Anyway, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. You'll, it probably hasn't been released yet, but no, I'm looking forward to checking. Go it out. find it in the future. Get in your TARDIS. Go find it in the future. All right, our next our next pitch is by another inconsolable, <laughs> Mr. Sam Harkin, uh, Sammy Deej, and his yep. he, he was much more. See, I, I think Alex stole one of his words because he managed to use only four words, and his pitch was shape shift to billiards. In space! That's how he wrote it, so I had to say it that way. Yeah. Uh, so, we have another space one. This one's- I think this one's a bit more doable in actual space. I don't think we'll take this one to space camp. <laughs> so, you know you know how in Star Trek, how they've got 3D chess? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, in space, they've got 3D, 3D billiards. billiards. Oh, that'd be really cool. So, okay. you've got basically like- a massive cube. Yeah, that yeah. You've you got pockets in, in each of the cor- corners. And pockets on each of the vertices. And do you have them in, like, the middle of the edges as well? Or just the eight? Um, I think maybe you can have them in the middle of the edges as well to give, like, a fuckload of pockets. Yeah, that'd but be, the what, thing is, 14? No. What I like the idea of is the shapeshifter part of it is as, as you're playing- Mm-hmm. And you you knock into into a corner or something like that. Basically, the sh- the shape of the three D table will actually distort. Oh, okay. So you like so so if you're hitting bumpers, then you're gradually moving like you're gradually like, distorting the it's outside. It's sort of like banging a, a metal sheet into shapes or something. Like yeah, it it gives a little bit. God, that would that would that would make your bounce shots really difficult. <laughs> exactly. The idea being you, that. Yep. So, the, oh well, I was just going to say that the issue with that, I and mean, maybe this is just part of the strategy, but like transferring that energy into something that's more malleable is going to slow your ball down, right? So you're going to lose a fair bit of momentum by uh, by affecting it in that way. Yeah, quite quite possibly. Another yeah. thing that another problem with this that I've already been thinking about and how to alleviate it is, mm. you know how when you're playing, 
And and he said billiards, but like billiards is the most boring game that I can think of because there's literally only three <laughs> balls. Um, so I'm thinking that it's it's sort of like you've got a pool. They they call it they call it eight ball, but but in reality, you know, you times yeah. that by three or whatever it is to make it a cube sort of thing to get a lot more balls. Oh but, right, so um, you had like a you start with a pyramid of of balls. Yes, instead of just the triangle. Yeah. yeah. Well, because one of the things is snookering, like mm-hmm. you know, stopping stopping someone from being able to get a ball into a particular into a particular pocket orifice. Yes, you know is kind of a bit hard when you've only got, you know, sort of seven balls around and you've got 28 pockets. Um, yeah. Is so that what I'll- it was going to be? <laughs> Did you actually do the math I- on that? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I just guessed. <laughs> I need to I need to figure it out now. Yeah, we'll figure it out eventually. But I, I kind of like the idea of, you know, having more balls there, doing, like, physics as to, as to tw- know where it's to... It's 20. It's 20. It's 20. Okay, I was If close. we have one on each... Vertice and one on each edge. It's twenty. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and you should probably put one on each face as well, so that brings it to twenty-six. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, sorry. Finish your thought. You were going to say something. Um, so, you know how when you when you're playing pool on the two D plane, you can yes. just sort of very easily go, okay, I'm going to hit it here to get it to go this way. If yeah, you're of off by a little bit, you, it's going to be a complete you know, bastard of a shot to actually get it. And the the idea of being able to maybe even do so much power on this one on this one shot that you manage to sort of trap this ball in this one little area. You know, and maybe mal- you know, change the shape <laughs> you of like this hit thing. it so hard so- that it just like creates an indentation in the wall and sticks there. Is that what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I had an interesting thought as well, because if you're playing in space, is there any there's no friction, right? If you well, if you're in a vacuum, there's no friction. So these balls are only going to slow down by transferring their energy into the walls. So that could actually be an interesting way to 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 change that up a bit. Yeah. So like, if you hit it fairly softly, it's gonna keep going. But when it hits a wall, it's just gonna you know it's just gonna make a little dent in it, but it's gonna slow down a bit, and then it's just gonna keep going until it hits the next wall, until it finally. Loses all well. I guess maybe you need a little bit of friction, because otherwise it's only going to stop once it does sort of indent into a wall and and stick there. And so you're just going to end up with all of your balls against the sides of this cube or whatever shape it's in by the end. And and the really hard part is that Mm -hmm. um, when when you're doing this, you know, it's it's one of those things. Unlike a lot of VR games where you can just sort of stick your hand through and you're sort of there. I like the idea that you're you're actually in a jetpack inside, so you're actually in there w- with the balls. Oh, like it's it's okay. <laughs> it's big big balls. It's sort big of, balls. Yeah. Uh, are you saying this is VR or no? It could be. Um, if we want Andrew Natola to be able to play it, though, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It was Sam's idea. Yeah, I know. He doesn't get sick, but but I, I like the idea that you cannot go outside the area. So if it, and if your ball ends up resting up against the um up against the edge, right, you're in a lot of trouble to actually get that. Can you away just like lever it out with a crowbar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then that's your shot. <laughs> yeah. And if you, if you haven't managed to to lever it into one of your balls, then you've just given them two shots. Right. Right. Can you get hit by the balls then? Yeah, I think yeah. one of the one of the main things is one you've of the got strategies. to get the fuck out of the way. 
or you or you can even even knock knock you know one of these other massive balls into um into your opponent. I really like this. I feel like this is something we could build, yeah, pretty easily. That'd be really fun. Well, I mean, maybe, but it'd be cool to try out. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's really cool. Three D billiards or pool in a cube. I mean, the malleable edges would be hard, but the general idea of of the three D pool would be cool. All right, that's awesome. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Sam Harkin. We, you, we've already told you how to get to your podcast. Yep. All right. Do you want to do the last one? We've got no, one you more. can do it because I... Oh, no. Jeff, you, you read that last one, didn't you? So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Matt Gosper. Sorry, Matt. I don't know wh- where you're actually from. He's from the Indoorsman Indoorsman. Yes. Awesome. I must check them out. I've checked out a lot of the AGP in podcasts, so... That's another one I'm going to have to check out. Sorry, mum, I did crime. <laughs> now. I like this one a lot. Now, we, when I first read this, I'm like, how the hell are we going to do anything? And then Sam Harkin happened to come up with, <laughs> like, the perfect, the perfect way of taking this. Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> the game. <laughs> So are we, okay, are we actually going to attempt at that in that direction? So you're just going to take the lyrics from Bohemian Rhapsody and try. Um, that. I kind of like the idea of of taking taking some of these some of these ideas, not not, not necessarily sticking to Bohemian Rhapsody, but maybe taking a little bit in that direction. Yeah, I, I love how he how he came up with that, and I'm like, oh, that works so well with the, with the rest of it. No, I, I think we take. I think we go line by line. <laughs> we figure out exactly what how that translates to gameplay. Oh God, okay, let's bring it up. <laughs> yeah, I've got it. Is this the real life? So, I mean, it's a game already, so it's yep. fine. Set Is this D&D? just fantasy? <laughs> Set, it's a D and D universe game. <laughs> Caught in a landslide. My key. My um. Pitches off there, but anyway. So the start of the game is you're in a landslide. No escape from reality. Okay, so it's all in his head, and he's in a mental institution. All right, so that's that's like foreshadowing for the final yep. thing. Open your eyes. Very first scene of the up game. To the skies and see. Do, so do, do, do. <laughs> I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. Okay, I'm going to stop you here so, because <laughs> we've got to figure out the. Because I'm just going to start singing the whole game, and it's not it's like singing the whole singing the whole game. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so okay. wait, any anyway, the wind blows. So it's um, there's like a wind mechanic in there <laughs> somehow. God, when you parachute in and kill men by putting guns against their head, and then cry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay so maybe bohemian uh, rhapsody the game won't work but <laughs> sorry mum i did crime <laughs> yeah let's let's just go back to the 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 original pitch sorry mum. see sam we did try i did crime <laughs> sorry sam we did try <laughs> sorry sam i did crime of trying to sing bohemian rhapsody on our podcast so sorry mum, i did crime so, presumably, you're a criminal of some sort. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, it's the aftermath of, like, a GTA-style game. 
in which you have to you have to come clean to your mum about all the crimes that you did. All right. Well, let me let me take it somewhere slightly different. I think this is actually a air quotes serious game, mm-hmm. and it's it's a VR game just for the immersion factor. Now, I'd li- I'd like it, but it opens. To, wait, wait, I'd, I'd wait. like the record to hold that, that I did not bring yes, up VR fine. first each time. It's, this time. <laughs> yes, it's it's for the immersion factor. Yep. because. The game starts and you're sitting on one side of the glass in a prison. Okay. And you can look around, you can see the other prisoners next to you, and then your mum comes and sits down in front of you. Okay, so- She picks up the phone on her side. So, is this actually like a photorealistic version of your own (laughs) mum? Yes. Like- 100%. You have to- 3D scan your mum's face. Yep. There's an app. It only works on, like, the new iPhone X that has the depth stuff. <laughs> yep. And then there's, like, a series of, like, 200 words that sh- that your mum has to speak into the microphone. Right. And then it can then it can basically it can, take- It can simulate her voice then. Simulate her voice yes. all the way through. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. Awesome. Just getting that out of the way first. Yeah, definitely. So it's your own mum. Just to again the immersion. You wa- you want the players to feel the guilt and hopelessness <laughs> of you can't go back after you've committed these crimes. But so you the whole game is played out in this. Well, okay, maybe not the so whole game right here, but in this dialogue puzzle that I'm guess- guessing is going to actually be. Yep. Each thing that you start telling your mum that you that you did, mm-hmm. you go to like a little vignette sort of thing in which okay. you, you yes. see yourself doing, doing well, you that. Ma- it's VR, like you need to be in it, right? Yep. Let's just say that Sam Harkin got me into this game called Doki Doki Literature Club. Oh, and I've got God. The, I've, okay. got this, I've heard about this. Like, I haven't played it. The very first couple of hours are pretty tame except for the fact that like some of the poems that that these girls write are like kind of a bit fucked up mm-hmm. don't but spoil it for me because i i've heard it's good i'm not gonna spoil it basically as you go i like the idea of this becoming like a psychological horror game in that yes it starts out you're just sort of telling your mum about the crimes that you committed mm-hmm. and you can choose the sort of things but as you start going back into your memories like some details start changing and okay. it's kind of, it's kind of like you, you're feeling the guilt of, of like your mum. Like she, she turns into like one of the victims in one of the scenes I'm thinking. And. Okay. So there's a, yeah. All right. Cause these are in your memories. And so things, so does that mean you play the same scenes multiple times? So you notice this stuff changing or it's as you go through each scene, as you go through each more scene, sort of it, strange things happen and stuff. Yeah. So, okay. like, it's it's happening happening sort of normal at the start. You know, you're going through a, a scene of, you know, you may be trying to pinch some candy when you're 11 years old or something like that. And, right. And sort of going yeah, through your so whole a, criminal and that's history. A real just, yeah, and that's just a sort of a fairly basic, you need to make sure nobody's looking at you. You need to grab it when the, the guy's looking away and 
maybe there's an automatic camera that you see that's sort of like rotating that you can sort of look up and you go, you know, okay, it's pa- facing away, but he's looking at me. Okay, can't do it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd work really well in VR actually because you really got to be aware of your whole environment. Surrounded, you. yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then it, you know, it escalates a bit and, and, you know, you're in high school and, I don't know, you're selling some drugs and you've got a little whole, you know, vignette that plays out there. Uh, and, you know, each of them could maybe go in a few different ways, but, you know, maybe, yep. you, maybe you get caught in some of them or you can, you know, the chance you've got the opportunity to get away or to talk, talk your way out of it or something. And that just, that just slightly changes the future dialogue puzzles and stuff. Or the future vignettes in, in in slight ways, yeah. But you know, it's it's when you start going into like some of the more adult crimes. So yes, you become know, a, more of a hardened I'm, criminal. I'm, and- I'm, I'm going to limit this to the sort of crimes that that are allowed and crimes that are not allowed in this game because I don't want to see any sexual assault or anything like that. No, that no, not allowed. That's- you know, that's straight out. So, I'm seeing this as, like, maybe there's not murder. I'm thinking maybe this is just escalating well, robberies. I'm, I'm I think I, th- I, I was picturing a scene, and maybe it's sort of, maybe this is the finale. Maybe this is the heart-wrenching final scene. And look, this is where we sort of bring Bohemian Rhapsody back into it a bit, because <laughs> I, I'm picturing that it ends on a scene where you literally have a gun up against someone's head, and, like, there's a reason for it. Like, the story up to this point has played up to it. You know, it's someone who's betrayed your, you know, criminal group or whatever, and the other people are uh, going to kill you if you don't kill them. Like, it literally gives the player no choice but to shoot this guy in the head. And, and it's your brother. Well, yeah, maybe, like, just to add that. <laughs> just to but, add that but more. Can, well, do I you can't. not find out? Oh my god, that could be fucked up. He's, he's got it. Like he's, he's got, got a, a hood um, on. He's got a hood on, like a bag <laughs> over his head, and they've brought them. They've brought it to you, brought him to you, and yeah, Ish. like in the previous scenes, you've obviously had interactions with your brother and stuff. Yeah, and at you, sh- you have no choice but to shoot them. They like fly over backwards. The bag falls off the head. It's just like holy fuck. And I, I kind of like the idea. It cuts back of- to you on the other side of the glass, and your mum's just on the other side with like tears streaming down her face. Oh my god, this game's horrible. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking, as part of the psychological horror, you know, she she's being sort of like, I don't know whether it's sort of like a. Um, remember in the A Christmas Carol, how sort of like you had. You had um, Ebenezer Scrooge and like mm. the ghosts going through each of the um, each of the sort of right. scenes and being able yeah. to sort of walk through it. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. you're actually having like oh, scenes where, where you see in the background like your mum. Your, your mum is actually there yeah. As so a less psychological horror and more just like psychological trauma in a way, or like yep. uh, just playing with it in ways that that are that are. Um, that are interesting around the around that psychological aspect and the fact that they're memories and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that could be really cool. Holy shit! <laughs> the right, like the right company, could do such a good fucking job with that. And you know who couldn't do a really good job with it? 
us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we fleshed out a really, I think we fleshed out a really cool idea there. That's awesome. Yep. Ah, uh, that's and, cool. You know, oh, I, I think that's a good that'd one. That'd kill me. That's like, that's full on. <laughs> You're wondering why you had to, like, why you had to, you know, also um, 3D scan your brother or your sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it, it was just kind of weird, you know. They weren't in the whole game. <laughs> no, to keep the twist, that one they just like connect to your Facebook and find the the, the sibling or family member that you have the most like friend that is that or is loves with. <laughs> so in my case, it's actually probably you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yep, definitely. Oh man. That's a sh- that's a horrible one to end on in the best way. I think that's yes. actually a really cool idea. Thank you, Matt from the Indoorsman podcast. That was that was great. You can find and them on Podchaser too because you can find them all on Podchaser. Everything is on Podchaser. It's all up there. <laughs> Just go. Okay, so that ends our game of the year podcast. I think, well, you know what? I think which which one of those five games was our actual game of game the of the year? year. Um, oh, I think it's going to be Mars Hamsters versus the Alive Tardis. Fuck off. <laughs> 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 All right. Just because I want to see that, like, on the front page of a magazine or something. Wait, do they, they still do gaming mags- magazines? I don't know. All right. So, thank you for joining us for this special part two episode of Bitstorm. Episode 53, I think. Episode 53, part two. We're going all um, Quentin Tarantino on this shit. So, <laughs> if you want to find us online, you can go to Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are BitStormCast on all of those. We have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash BitStorm for discussion and listen to click pictures occasionally. When I remember. When you remember. We are, <laughs> we are on Podchaser, podchaser.com slash BitStorm. Uh, we are on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us. We've got a website, bitstormcast.com. We'd like to thank all the people out there at the AGPN. You make doing a podcast just amazing. Like, all your feedback and all your other, all your podcasts just, you know, make us feel really good and somewhat loved. Uh, um and finally, we'd like to we'd like to thank Kurdos for the song Matt Defines off of the album Containment Failure. That's it. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Game of the Year. <laughs> Is that a holiday for us? Uh, uh, I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. Cthulhu in space. <laughs>